up until uh, about eight years ago, Aaron, how long have we been married? What, what year is this? Oh, she's gone. Aaron, how long have we been married? Seven and a half years. I was thinking eight, but seven and a half. Who's counting? Um, up until about seven and a half years ago, I had never built anything in my life. Um, I, uh, I am not known to be a handyman. I grew up next to carpenters. I went to church with people who were exceedingly gifted in the ways of creating things. I myself had never built anything at all. But you can only hide for so long. And so uh, once we were married, um, we, we, Aaron took me to this magical land called Ikea, where uh, you can find all kinds of delightful things. And, uh, one, and well, we found this. This is, uh, this is Rexbo. This is, um, and I looked at that and I was like, I, the, I was stressed out because, you know, you, you go to Ikea and you're like, wow, there's some really complicated stuff there. But Rexpo, Rexpo looks like I could do it. And so we got that, we took it home, and I discovered something totally amazing about, um, you know, building stuff, about creating things, and that is that you only really need one tool. You need this, the Allen wrench. The, Allen, uh, the hex key is the official name of the Allen wrench. But literally, with any, with, with, I, I discovered, I, I found out that the Rexpo was super easy to do, and all you needed was this device, the, the Allen wrench. And I, I began to understand that, well, yeah, that and then those awesome uh, instructions that have no words. Love those things. It's like a Lego for adults. It's like, yeah. Um, so with Lego for adults and the Allen wrench, you can outfit your home with anything you desire, which is pretty cool. Well, that's what I thought. But then, uh, it turns out there's other things that are, Ike- that are at Ikea. And uh, most recently, we, uh, we, we got one of these bad boys. The colon. The colon dresser. I was almost broken on the back of the colon dresser. In fact, we had two. Uh, we got two of them. And over the course of about a week... Uh, I injured myself in a number of different ways. And, and part of the problem was I thought I was going to be fine with just an Allen wrench. But it turns out there are other tools that are necessary in order to build you know, anything, a car. There's actually, when we're going to find out today, if you really want to build something, you're going to need three tools. That's it. Uh, I've learned this from Ikea. I learned this from battling the colon. Three tools is all it takes. One of the things I've been thinking about a lot um, is evangelism. And the reason I've been thinking about it is because I'm really, really desperate uh, to see um, a reverse in this culture that we live in. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm broken up, honestly, in my heart about, you know, I see racial tensions uh, in this country. Uh, I see the, the rapid descent into materialism and uh, self-gratification that, uh, that our culture is a part of and that it, it, I, I feel like I'm battling just to not get caught up in. And I really believe, I really believe that Jesus is the answer, that his eternal life is the thing that can make the difference for people. And, and if, and if the, the gospel has to go out, then surely we have to do it. And some of you, some of you um, are, are, you know, you're, you're sharing your faith all the time. Others of you tried it a few times, didn't like it, and quit. Um, and some of you uh, are just, you know, you're like me. You're like, ah, just, that looks dangerous. I'm afraid people won't like me. And I want to um, have in the back of our minds today this question. Um, how can we uh, share our faith more effectively? How can we share our faith more effectively? How could we even start? And, and I don't want to just talk about tactics, okay? Uh, I, there's a lot of different programs out there, and we will actually, over the next couple of weeks, talk about some practical stuff, um, some, some tactics for, for using these things. But I want to get at a theological level. 
I want to hear what God has to say about sharing faith. Not just, you know, the newest plan for how to sucker that guy who's sitting next to you on the airplane into listening to you as you cross the country and tell him about how Jesus paid for his, his, his sins. But some, some, something a little, a little deeper than that, what it is to evangelize. And I think maybe like me, uh, maybe you've been stuck thinking that you only need one tool. Um, and and, and you're, you're evangelizing with an Allen wrench. And, uh, and it takes a little more than that to get the colon built. So let's uh, journey through the text together and keep that uh, in the back of our minds. This is uh, 1 John 5, 6 to 8, 11 through 12. Uh, I've broken this text up a little bit so that we can really focus on just the evangelistic uh, part of it, but there is a lot more that we will um, draw out in coming weeks. John says, This is the one who came by water and blood, Jesus Christ, not by water only, but by the water and the blood. And the Spirit is the one who testifies, since the Spirit is the truth. Now there's three that are testifying, the spirit, the water, the blood, and these three flow into one. And this is the testimony that they're giving. God gave eternal life to us, and this life is in his son. Everyone who has the son has life. Anyone who does not have the son does not have life. This is a pretty, um, a pretty stark thing that John's saying. I mean, if you look at the end right there, everyone who has the Son has life. Anyone who doesn't, doesn't have life. You're, you're living death. There, there's nothing inside of you that's truly, spiritually, eternally alive. We're talking about the most important thing that we can be talking about, life and death. And John's saying, uh, if, you, if you want to be someone who has life, you, you've got to have the Son. And yet, and yet, there's a lot of people out there who aren't convinced that that's the case, right? There's a lot of people who are like, eh, maybe, maybe not. Look at, look at uh, the, test, uh, the, the text. This really is a kind of a, almost a law-like like text. Like it, there's a lot of testifying and testifying. This is the testimony. We can even imagine, yeah, something like a courtroom case where, where uh, God has actually set out three witnesses who come before all of humanity, all of us, saying, this is the truth. This is it. God gave eternal life to us. This life is in his son. There's these three test, uh, witnesses, and they're all testifying to the same thing. This is a demonstration, and we live just as John did in a culture of skeptics, like this guy. That's my buddy, Atheist John. Not really. But this is the kind of environment that we encounter. Typically, um, for in, in, our, in our situation, we encounter people who are um, probably skeptical on scientific grounds or, or historical grounds. Oh, this Jesus stuff can't be, can't be real. When, when John was, was, was testifying, when he was uh, pastoring, it was probably more people who were uh, either Jews who didn't believe that Jesus was really the Messiah or pagans who thought, what, only one God? Impossible. And yet we have the same situation, the same problem, that we have to, we have to come to these people and give them something that's, that's, that's believable, it's, it's reasonable. And John gets that. And what he says is, don't try to come up with it on your own. You're not going to figure it out. Guess what? Good news. God did it for you. He has given you three surefire witnesses. And if you pay attention to these three, you're going to have success. In evangelism, this is what, this is what, well, not always. In fact, the part that I left out there is the part where it's like, people, if you don't believe this, you're, you're calling God a liar. The point is that God has given us um, these, these tools. So let's take a look at them. Let's take a, this is the first thing in your note sheets. Uh, 
the first thing you know, she's, John claims that God has sent three kinds of evidence to demonstrate the truth that eternal life is found in Jesus Christ. And these, I'm going to suggest to you, are the three basic tools of evangelism. The three tools of evangelism. So let's take a look at them um, in the order that John brings them up. He says, this is the one who came by water and blood. Jesus came not by water only, but by the water and the blood. There are three that are testifying, spirit, water, and blood. And these three flow into one. Well, that's kind of weird. If we're looking at that water, what does that mean? And you might be doubly confused because a lot of times in John's literature, water tends to mean the spirit. Uh, go, go back just a second, Mom. Uh, it, water can mean the spirit. But if that were the case, then, then his verse 7 or verse 8 would be, um, would be redundant. It would say the spirit and the water, which is the spirit, and the blood. These three? No, that would be two that flow into one. So water can't mean spirit, even though often it does in, in John's literature. It must be something else. And I want to show you exactly um, what it is. This, is uh, this next text is from uh, the Gospel of John, John 3, 3 to 6. This is uh, Nicodemus has come at night, and he wants to find out um, about the kingdom of God. And Jesus tells him, most assuredly, I say to you, unless you're born again, you cannot see the kingdom of God. Nicodemus said to him, how can a man be born when he's old? Can he enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born? Jesus answered, most assuredly, I say to you, unless one is born of water and the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. When Jesus says water and spirit, that water there um, is, is referring, what, to the mother's womb, right? That's the first birth that we all go through. This is just like any human being must come through. And there's, yeah, it's, it's not just water. It's very, very terrifying to watch and probably horrible to go through uh, for you ladies who have given birth. Um, but water, water is kind of how all human beings come. And, and notice, notice the parallelism. You must be born of water and spirit. And then John goes down, that which, or Jesus goes down, that which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of spirit is spirit. So water and flesh are parallel. It's, 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 it's human life, right? You have to be born out of water. You have to be someone who comes as a human being. That's your first birth. And then a second birth is by the spirit. Here's another example of the way that water gets used um, in the Gospel of John. Uh, this is, this is uh, we're, we're talking about human life coming into human life, but it's not just that we come into human life, it's that, there, that, that water symbolizes a, t- a particular kind of life in John. Notice how Jesus, um, uh, how he shows the, the disciples what life is supposed to look like. Um, he rose from supper in verse 4. He took, uh, laid aside his garments, took a towel, and he girded himself, and after that he poured water into a basin, began to wash the disciples' feet, and to wipe them with a the towel. It's as though um, water just isn't just a, a, a symbol for human life and, and being flesh. It's also a, a symbol of what kind of life we ought to be living. It's, it's full, eternal human life. It's human life that's, that's meant to be self-giving, self-sacrificial, servanthood. It's a life that, that doesn't look like full life to those of us who are in a pagan culture or a, or a neo-pagan culture, but it really is the true kind of life. And that life is instantiated, it's, it's made full in Jesus. So the next thing on your note sheets, I think. Oh, the Allen wrench. This is the Allen wrench. This is, uh, so, when I got, when I, so I got that colon. And uh, I opened it up, um, and I, I dumped out all of the tools and the, uh, the, the nuts and the bolts and whatever. I threw them all aside, and I just picked up the, the Allen wrench, and I started to like hit the, the boards with it to try and I figured it was sort of like a, like a magic wand you just tap 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 and poof colon 
put all your clothes in me. Nope, doesn't work like that. But the Allen wrench is really, really important. It's kind of like the, the basic fundamental. It's like the starting point for all IKEA uh, uh, furniture construction. Like you, you start out with the Allen wrench, and then from there you, you go on to things that are a little more complicated. And, and the Allen wrench basically uh, you use for most of the time in, in IKEA, and I speak from a great deal of experience. You, um, you, you tighten things with it. It's like a tightener. It fastens um, different. Uh, like basic frame together. So when you when you get your IKEA, it's it's all a bunch of bl- blocks and, and pressed wood, and you, you get them to start to come together with the with the Allen wrench, and that, that sort of tightens them together. But it's 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 kind of like the basic frame. It's the very beginning. It's kind of like uh, if you if you just stop here, it's going to collapse and fall in on itself, and you really are going to need some more stuff. I think that this is a little bit like water for John, the human life of Jesus. And this is the next thing in your note sheets. The water testifies to the real human life that Jesus led and what it was like. Jesus was really human, and he lived in a very particular way. This is the, the, the Allen wrench. You have to know this first. It's the basic starting point when evangelizing to people. People need to know what kind of person Jesus was and what life he lived. Um, an example of, of, of how that, why that's so important, when you're uh, dealing with people nowadays especially, uh, especially millennials, Tell you, talk about evangelizing a bunch of scumbags. That's uh, that's. I love them though; they're cute. Um, I am one technically, and they're they are fun. Um, but millennials are really into justice. They're really into uh, you know, like we gotta make things right. You know, we're gonna fix the world by voting or by tweeting or whatever they do. Uh, how's that working out for you guys? Really great, awesome. Um, but but they they have this real genuine desire to see things made right in the world. And when you're talking to millennials, I mean, one of the first things, the, the entrance point into evangelizing them is like, hey, you want to talk about somebody who made the world right? Somebody who was really interested in justice? Someone who was really interested in making the world the way it's supposed to be? Let me, let me introduce you to my friend Jesus over here. He's the one who did that. He was the one who inaugurated that, who started that. That's his life. That's kind of our, our basic entry point into evangelism, according to John, uh, that God has given us three witnesses. The first is the Allen wrench. It's the life that Jesus led, symbolized by water. Let's go back to the text. This is the one who came by water and blood. Not just water, but blood. Um, Jesus didn't just live this really amazing, innocent life. He didn't, really, he didn't just uh, cast out the demons and set the captives free. He didn't just um, go after the, the outcasts and the orphans and, and the widows. He did more than that. He bled for them. He bled for us. Look how John uses blood in his uh, literature. But if we were walking in the light as he himself is in the light, we have union with one another, and the blood of Jesus' his Son cleans us from all sin. Later, he is the atonement sacrifice for our sins. It's, um, it's crazy. You know, the, the, the evangelical church, I think we do a pretty good job of, of emphasizing this. Um, but it's become very uncomfortable in, in the world now to talk about how Jesus' blood does things to us. It's become a, a sort of, um, it's like, ugh. It's kind of grisly because we're talking about a guy being murdered. Um, and it, it's a little bit offensive because, you know, how, wh- why does that need to happen? You know, why, why, do, why does someone have to die? Couldn't God have come up with some better, cleaner, nicer alternative for how to, to fix us? Couldn't God have done something a little bit easier than, than, than blood pouring out of this man as he suffocates on a cross? Really? 
John says, yeah, really. The whole universe needed to be atoned to God. We are fractured and we are radically broken in this culture and in our lives. We have corrupted desires. We have, we have corrupted uh, the, the world around us is corrupted. Doug was praying for natural disasters. I mean, the, the world that we're in is not right. It is totally broken. We see it in our own lives and thoughts. We see it in the way that the world exists. We see it in, in suffering. We see it all over the place. This place is corrupt. It is broken. It has been destroyed. And it is in desperate need of being made right. And the way things get made right is with blood. This has always been the way it is in human life and culture. When we, try, when we try to understand what God demands of us, he, he demands sacrifice. He demands that something be put out, something that costs us, something that is really going to set things right. And, and we do it, and we do it, and we do it, and it's never enough, never enough. And the world is still corrupt, it's still broken, it's still falling apart. And so God says, I will do it for you. I will do the ultimate sacrifice. I will give you my son. And you can bleed him out. And his blood won't ever stop cleansing you. His blood is once and for all. It will never end. The way that it sets you right, forgives you, gives you access to forgiveness. And all you have to do is believe. Simply trust. And this blood is yours, applied to you. End of story. If you're here today and you've never done that, you've never believed in Jesus, look inside and recognize that you are corrupt. You're as broken and as messed up as I am. And you need something that's in between you and God. And, and God has offered you right now the opportunity to believe and be saved. And that's it. That's evangelism 101, as it were. Uh, another example of the way that blood gets used. Look at this in Revelation. To him who loves us, this is Jesus, and freed us from our sins by his blood. It's as though sin is like a chain that's holding us back. And his blood comes in and breaks that chain. That we've been, we've been slaves. We've been captives. And the blood of Jesus Christ sets us free. If you've never trusted in that, then you are a slave to your sins. You have no hope of being made free of them. That is a true thing about God and the universe. I think of this as the, uh, the, the power drill. You know? This is a big time. Uh, when you're building that, uh, that, that colon, they, they say, they don't give you any words because it's Ikea, uh, but they show a picture of a screwdriver. And it turns out there's like about a thousand different screws that need to be uh, put in in order to assemble. Uh, the, and, and for someone who has weak, frail wrists like myself, that can be a little bit of a challenge. Um, right around, you know, hour two, hour two and a half, um, I was like, gosh, this is really sore. And so I called up my dad. Um, he has a power drill. Yeah, I don't have any tools. That's a fact. Um, people come to my house like, oh, can you go get the thing? And I'm like, uh, you want to go to Orchard Hardware and Supply? It's right down the street. Bring your card, man. I don't want to buy that. Uh, so I called up my dad, and, uh, and he brought over his uh, power uh, drill. And he, you can, this, these things are incredible. I don't know if you've ever used them, but they don't just drill holes. They also, uh, you can put in um, different heads so that they can actually manipulate screws. It, fascinating what, what construction uh, has, has been able to come up with. Anyway, so I did that, and it looked just like this, and suddenly I, boom, I was, just, I was rolling. 
just awesome. Suddenly, uh, the, the, the frame and the strength of this, of this uh, dresser started to really, really come together. I mean, this thing was like, it was, it was strong, it was hard. And, and I, at, the end of, at the end of this, I realized that the Allen wrench is kind of the intro tool. The power drill is the real tool. This is the one that actually does stuff when you're creating, uh, when you're creating, when you're constructing a car or a television or whatever it is that you need to build. This is what you're really going to want to use. Next thing in your note sheets, um, the blood testifies about Jesus' atoning death. This innocent man died as a sacrifice on behalf of the world's sins. This is the power drill, the tool that holds the project together. This is the core of the project. If without this, this thing's gonna, your, your, your dresser's going to fall apart. Your evangelism is going to fall apart. Last but certainly not least uh, in the text, this is the one who came by water and blood. And the Spirit is the one who testifies. The Spirit is the truth. There are three that are testifying. The Spirit and the water and the blood. And these three flow into one. The Spirit. That's so, uh, it's so abstract. You know, you, water, okay, Jesus' life. Blood, his atoning sacrifice. Okay, those are kind of ground down to earth. What, what is this Spirit? What, 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 is, what does that mean? What is the Spirit is truth? Well, I want to show you a couple of ways that John talks about the Spirit elsewhere. Uh, this is Jesus in uh, John 14. And he says, I will ask the Father. I'm going to go away, Jesus says. Uh, he knows that he's going to be crucified, that he's going to be raised again. He's going to um, go to be with the Father. And, but he says he's going to do this. I will ask the Father, and he will give you another helper to be with you forever. This is the Spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him. You know him he, because he abides in you, and he will be in you. There's this helper, the spirit of truth. He's going to live with you. He's going to be in you. Uh, another example of the spirit text, um, this is uh, John 20, uh, 22, when Jesus actually gives the spirit um, after his resurrection. When he had said this, he breathed on them and said to them, receive the Holy Spirit. Listen to this. If you forgive the sins of any, they are forgiven them. If you retain the sins of any, they are retained. This is interesting because this is a power that up till now only Jesus has had. Right? Only Jesus has had the ability to forgive sins or to hold them back. I don't want to get into the the details of what all that means, other than to say that the Spirit comes and helps and lives with us and is in us and, and provides power to be like Jesus. We now have the mission and power and ability to be as Christ was. This is, um, this is like, uh, this is the finishing touch. This is the finishing touch. This power that we have in the Spirit, this, this ability to now in our community, in the church, to be Jesus again, as it were. For the church itself to, to, to live out Jesus as though, as though he hadn't left at all. As, so, as though the water and the blood are still with us. The very things um, that the water, the, the life that Jesus lived, we can live that because we have the Spirit. The very forgiveness uh, that Jesus provides, we can preach, we can tell about because we have the Spirit. The Spirit energizes and empowers us. And looks, in my, uh, my little deal here, it looks a lot like this guy. The hammer. You don't use a lot of hammering in the Ikea colon dresser. At the very end, they give you these um, little teeny eensy-weensy nails, little, little baby nails, little friendly nails. And, uh, and, and you have to put, because Ikea is not probably the most expensive furniture or highest quality, but I love it. Um, and, and so you have to lay down the back on top of the, the dresser. And so you flip the dresser over and you get the little teen, eensy nails. And boop, 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 boop. 
oh, ow, I don't know how to hammer. Oh, that's sad. But it's small, though, so you're not really in a whole lot of danger. Um, but but if you if you don't do this if you don't if you don't put that put that uh, that that power on the back uh, the the whole um, the whole dresser isn't actually going to be able to to hold your clothes uh, it, it won't it won't it won't work they'll just fall out the back you need to you need to have this last piece and so you need this this hammer is that a stretch a little bit of a stretch isn't it that's fine don't worry about it. <laughs> Uh, this next thing in your note sheets. The Spirit testifies by renewing the power of Jesus' life and death in the church. This is the hammer, the tool that finishes the job. This brings up something uh, really, really important. Probably the number one um, critique of the church uh, in the culture is that we're just a bunch of hypocrites. Yeah. We are. That's true. Um, we, we talk about this Jesus. You know, he, he's, he's loving and he, and he empowers and liberates. He, he paid for the sins of, of the whole world. And yet we live as if we're, what, exactly like the world that we claim to be against. That's the, that's the claim. That's the, the critique. That's the reason that we don't have to pay attention is what the culture says. It's like you've got your dresser all built together, but the, the clothes just keep falling out the back because there's nothing, there's nothing holding them there. We're, we're absolutely, we have this amazing message, and yet when you look at us, it's like, oh. And yet God says that the church, empowered by the Spirit, is one of the tools of evangelism. That we can't have a complete gospel without showing that God's spirit and power is alive here and now. That, that really reconciliation between people does actually happen. That forgiveness does actually happen. That lives really do change. That all the stuff that Jesus says about, about taking care of one another and being hospitable and being generous, that all actually happens. It's not gone from the world. It really is there. That just as we have been radically forgiven in Christ, we can radically forgive people who have done unbelievable things to us. That truth is there. Without that, without that part of evangelism, we... We, we have a, we have a, a dress that, that has no back in it. Everything's going to fall out. Because this is, this is one of the pieces of evangelism that God has given to us. And so when people do nail you, you're like, oh yeah, church Christians, a bunch of, they're in it for the money. The pastor guy's in it for the money. <laughs> That's good. All right. Uh, yeah. Uh-huh. Um, you, they say they look nice on Sunday, but they're they're dirty the rest of the time. When people say that, I, I, I would I would ask I would just stop for a second. And be like, first, you can say, okay, yes, that's true. We've made some mistakes, and then you can ask this: Who stopped slavery? Like in the whole world, was it the Christians? Huh, that's weird. Who invented the idea of, um, of a genuine social welfare system that cares for the least of these who have uh, nothing of their own? Was it the church? Huh. That's interesting. Who is it that has been preaching time and again, over and over, to lay down arms and, and, and to, to have peace between people and nations? 
Is it the church? Huh. That's kind of interesting. I agree with you. Yeah, you're right. I mean, the Christians, we got all kinds of problems, and, and, and I don't deny that. We're still human beings. But isn't it fascinating? Isn't it fascinating that one institution, the Church of Jesus Christ, has been responsible for, if you want to be brutally honest about it, probably all of the, 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 the social change that has actually made difference in human lives throughout history? I mean, is that not fascinating? I mean, it was, it's, look, it's not, honestly, it really isn't other religions. It's not the atheists, God bless them. It is, it's been the church that's been doing this. The church has been the engine of the change for justice in the world that has blessed the world immeasurably. Yes, I get it. We have our problems. But if you can't look at the church and recognize its value and what it's done, then, man, you're missing it. The bottom line, uh, friends, is that evangelism uh, it, it really has to, to, to start with all the tools. You know, I, I, I'm not sure what... Um, no, go, go back to the, the picture of Rexbo and the colon. Um, I, I, I'm not sure what your, um, your Allen wrench is. You know, that your go-to modus operandi if you evangelize, if you even do it at all. You're probably a lot like me. You're like, let's never go to Ikea. I don't want to build anything. I don't want to talk to people about my faith. It's, it's awkward and scary. But if you've, if you've tried, you might have like your go-to, you know, Allen wrench. You think you're going to be able to solve everything with just this one tool, and it's going to fix all of your problems. And yet you realize it doesn't. You're beating your head against the wall. Maybe, maybe you're going to need more tools. Maybe this is a bigger problem, a bigger project, one that's going to require more than just, you know, this aspect. I like to talk about Jesus' life, or I like to talk about his atoning death, or I like to talk about the church. you, You have to have all of them, all of them, if you're going to be able to complete the project of evangelism the way that God has described it and designed it. And that's that last thing in your note sheets right there. Evangelism is most effective when it includes Jesus' life, death, and, yes, the church us. And if you see, these really are kind of the the metaphors that John has been using when he talks about the water, the blood, and the spirit. Uh, We began with a question, um, how can our evangelism be more effective? Well, I want to say that what we've done today is we've gotten like the ground floor of what evangelism should look like. And I suggest to you, this is pretty important because most people, when they think about evangelism, they they think of of sharing their faith, they have a very set understanding of what that means, and I'm suggesting it might be a little bit anemic. It might be like we're going out to to, to build a dresser and all we've got is the Allen wrench. And I want to suggest that we need to get a more robust sense of what evangelism looks like. And as we go forward, I I think I want to revisit this because I do want to start to talk practically about what this is going to look like in your lives. I want to, uh, starting next week, I want to discuss with us what it looks like to talk about or to engage Jesus' life as evangelistic tool because I'm really desperate for us to start having converts. I am sick to death of the people around us who are going to hell and they don't know it, and they don't care. I'm tired of it. And maybe you are too. And I really believe that John has has just given us God's solution to that problem. You need to talk about the water, the blood, the spirit, the life, the death, the church. And so I want to start doing that starting next week. So we come up and we we walk out, we're going to do X, Y, and Z. 
And I want us as a church to really start to get down on this and start doing it and start actually trying to engage people with the gospel of Jesus Christ again so that they can have life and hope that we confess that they can have. Again, this is not the leader guy yelling at you. Uh, The leader guy is condemning himself. I'm sure that there's plenty of you who are out there uh, engaging radically with people and, 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 and doing this. But I'm not. And I want to. I want to see new Christians. I want to stand before God one day and say, I didn't keep my mouth shut. I took a stand. And I offered people the full, robust gospel that you've given us. And I can, go to, I, can, I can enter into eternity with a clear conscience. And in order to do that, I think we're going to need to, uh, we're gonna need to get into the culture a little bit. We're going to need to get into um, what, how, how to do it. And so we're going to start that next week. But in the meantime, don't go with just your Allen wrench. Take your whole toolkit. Let's pray. Gracious God and Father, um, I confess uh, that I'm not, I'm not evangelizing very much. I confess to you that um, I'm scared of what people will think with me. I confess to you that uh, that's hard. It's hard to cross those lines. But God, I believe um, that your gospel is full of life. And we believe that. We confess that, God, that your gospel is the eternal life that you have, that you gave to us, and that life is in your Son. God, we desperately want the people around us to have your Son and to have the life he gives. Show us, God, how we can preach his life, his death, the power of of the Spirit in the church, how we can be that to the world. And God, we ask, we ask for converts, we ask for fruit, we ask for new faith, new belief, new souls that will be with you, with your full life for all time. God, you are good and we trust that. We want to be in keeping with what you have for us in your son. Thank you for the faith that saves. Thank you for the life he gives. In his name we pray, amen.